Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at AllianceSafetyCouncil.org. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. One man's trash is another man's treasure, they say, which is a fortunate dynamic for those whose livelihoods and missions are built around selling secondhand stuff. But while used merchandise was once pretty much limited to hipsters and funky neighborhoods, today it's gone mainstream, particularly among younger millennials and iGeners who have turned a cottage industry into a major retail sector. With me today to discuss this is Charlotte Smith, owner of Pop Shop Records, a locally owned record store in the heart of Mid-City. Pop Shop Records stocks vinyl records from a variety of genres, including of vintage albums and new releases, and the store's stock changes daily. But Pop Shop Records isn't just a record store, it's also a music outlet, a cultural hub, and live performance venue. Charlotte bought the store, then called Atomic Pop Shop, in early 2018 from its previous owner. It was a lifelong dream of hers to own a record store. In the 18 months since, she's expanded and also brought some new offerings to the store without changing its familiar vibe. Charlotte, it's a great store and a really great topic. Thanks for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Also at the table today is Brian Sleeth, Executive Director of the Christian Outreach Center of Baton Rouge, which operates the Purple Cow, a thrift store that sells a variety of gently used merchandise, including men's, women's, and children's clothing, furniture, housewares, books, videos, and vinyl records. The Purple Cow has two locations in Baton Rouge, both of which support the Christian Outreach Center, which is a homeless prevention ministry helping people primarily in the downtown area towards self-sufficiency. The organization was founded in 1991 as an outgrowth of St. Joseph's Cathedral. Today, it is supported by several major downtown congregations and partners more with more than a dozen organizations to help serve its target population. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you here on Out to Lunch. Thanks Thank for you. joining me. Well, Charlotte, audiophiles know that vinyl never really went out of style when digital came in, but in recent years it has really made a comeback. Both vintage records and new vinyl records, sales of new and used vinyl records approached $700 million in 2017, probably a whole lot more in 2018. What's the story, What's the deal with vinyl? I think one of the reasons is solely they just sound better. Um, when you can record something onto vinyl, it's just got a better quality to it that when you record it digitally, it gets lost. You're basically taking a photocopy when you record something digitally. If you put it straight onto an album, it's going as is. It's yeah. not a photocopy of something, so it's not really the original. And I think also it's just a really enjoyable activity for people. Um, there's been some really interesting studies. It's something that 
that couples do together, huh. especially in South Louisiana, where you end up being, you know, a hunting widow or a, a LSU <laughs> right. football widow or a Saints widow. This is something that people are doing together. It's sort of like a coffee shop kind of thing. And then we're going to go thrift shopping kind of thing. And then we're going to hit up the local vinyl store. So it's something that couples are doing together. Um, so something about being able to look at the album. Absolutely. Jacket, it's it's something tactile. And yeah. you'd be surprised that you say that. And um, we actually get people that come in solely to look and see if we have an album that they already own because they want a better cover so that they can frame it. So people tend to use vinyl as artwork as well. So interesting. Um, are people buying more used from you or new? It's really a mix. We carry more used solely because that's the stuff that brings back sort of some nostalgia and some memories for people, and I like watching that. Um, and it's also the kind that it's nicer to kind of flick through. You yeah. know, it sort of takes you to a place and you get to kind of look back and go, oh, my God, I forgot about this album, or, oh, I haven't seen yeah. that in years kind yeah, of thing. Definitely. Um, but we do carry a lot of new, but we tend to order new. We've got, like, a pretty good customer base who, when something comes out, they'll contact us and be like, hey, can I order a copy of XYZ? So we go ahead and we get that for yeah. them. But we do cut, cut, absolutely carry new releases, but vinyl that's used is sort of more a passion, I guess, for collectors. Of course, you have to have the right equipment to play it on or all of right. that great, inherently, you know, great quality gets mm -hmm. lost, right, on some little... And but, funnily enough, we sell that. Uh, well, well <laughs> so, yeah. we will we come back to equipment. that. Brian, trends are in your favor as well. The secondhand apparel market was estimated at $24 billion last year. And by 2023, it's expected to double to more than $50 billion. Um, what do you think accounts for this? What is makes secondhand chic? Today? Well, I, I think that uh, you know popular buzzwords such as um, uh, well, just the whole idea of recycling, you know, yeah, or yeah. upcycling, or you know, or oh, that's or right. Re my my kids taught me that and, upcycling, <laughs> <laughs> repurposing, and, and so the idea of I mean, there's it, there's the whole vein of it being friendly to the planet, the economy, you know. You know, there's just a whole lot of reasons, and and the, what sets us apart is that we really are shooting to be a um, the kind of thrift store that is more in comparison with a TJ Maxx or a Marshalls versus any other thrift store. Um, and, you know, and there's a whole spectrum of types of thrift stores, but everything with us is professionally branded and we just recently actually we now have our own purple cow purple um, really and and we we um, highlight designer brands and things like that so um, you know it's it's a way to also with you know with tight budgets especially for the middle class to be able to go and and outfit your whole family for a ridiculously low fraction of what you would otherwise pay retail. And I know that um, you benefit a nonprofit. We'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. But, I mean, is your quality of merchandise, say, comparable to, like, a Plato's Closet or something like that? Uh, I would say at least as. Um, really? And maybe more. Uh, I wow. mean, we, we, we never know what we're going to get. And, and some of it gets tricky when trying to price it for a thrift store. But, for example, at our Perkins location, we've gotten donations that uh like a 500 dollar pair of designer pants um antiques i mean so we get uh we get just a lot of interesting stuff that you never know what's going to come through the door um so we we really do 
I mean, the difference between a place like Plato's Closet and us is that they're a consignment store. And, and this is one of my gripes about Facebook is that they lump us both in the same category and we're very different. Okay. Consignment, they buy your clothes, you get a little bit, just a little bit of money. And um, and then with, uh, and they're for profit. With a thrift store, it's usually not for profit and the proceeds go to help some sort of a cause. Sure. So there's a difference between that because we, especially early on, we always got phone calls, do we buy clothing? No, but we can give you a tax um, tax receipt for your um, records. <laughs> so how do y'all deal with the uncertainty of, of what comes in the door? I mean, I, you can't really plan when you're relying on, on donations or, you know. Flexible. We, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to be, don't you? You have to be flexible. And you also have to be very honest with people that come in. We follow a very complex grading system for our albums and our equipment that comes in. Um, it's sort of a globally recognized grading system. Every album that comes through our door, if we decide to take it, is cleaned and listened to in its entirety and then it's graded. And then we use Discogs, which is a fabulous website, which is, again, globally recognized. And we can sort of, depending on our grade, we can then say, this is what it's worth, but then also look at our market and say, you know, we might have an album, like prime example, we've got a Jay Abner album in right now that's about $89. Hmm. Eventually that may have to come down. It might not be an $89 album for Baton Rouge. Right, right, right. It's an $89 album, but maybe not for this market. So, or we might decide that that's something we're going to sell online. So we we have to pick and choose and we have to really be very honest with people and break break their hearts a little gently (laughs) and saying, you know, this is not as precious to other people as it may be to you. And you do all this yourself and listen to every one of these albums yourself? We do. And we are a small (laughs) shop. Oh, it takes a while. I mean, we'll get people that are like, hey, have you guys put those albums out yet? Well, no, because we don't want to put them out until we know that they're good enough for you to buy. So, yeah, we have to listen to everything. That's wow. so cool that you take that kind of care. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're <laughs> locally owned and operated. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not going to you know, compete with HMV or, or something like that. I'm, I'm, you know, we have to, my name is very important to me. The business name is very important to me. I have to stand behind that. Yeah. So I'm not going to just take something and go, okay, we're a little low on stock this month. So let's hurry up and get that stuff out there because I don't, I want you to come back. I don't want you to take to Facebook and go, you know, that girl Charlotte over at Pop Shop, she'll take anything and just put it out there. That's not how we're ever going to operate. Well, that's something that's very similar between the two of us because Mm -hmm. um, we don't take just anything. It has to be ready to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have people who can stitch things together, uh, fix furniture, uh, fix bicycles, any of that stuff. I wish we did, but it simply would be too time consuming. And um, and then the whole, um, you know, resale market people oftentimes get convinced that, and you probably see this, like, I've got the best album in the world. It's really not. Absolutely. It's a horrible shame. I mean, and it's heartbreaking sometimes because <laughs> yeah. you have to really be honest, and you're like, sweetheart, I get, I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's very, very precious to you, but yeah. um, it's only precious to you. Yeah, so, we, yeah. we get that, like, because we'll have... Um, I mean, there are different types of thrift stores, and there's actually one locally that advertises, oh, we'll take your junk. And Mm I have forbidden anybody in our organization to ever use the word junk because we don't take junk. We don't take trash. Everything is gently used. It's got to be ready to sell, high quality. We don't sell anything with stains, tears, whatever. And we've unfortunately had people pull up to make donations, like an entire trailer full and I'm telling you, you open up the back and the smell that wafts out Absolutely. is like, I see you're a cat lover. <laughs> well, no, we get the same. We'll get like somebody 
in with a crate, a wooden crate of albums, and we're like, they're stuck oh, together, huh? Yeah. Yay! Yeah. You know, like, well, they're obviously, yeah, they're stuck together. Like a lot of people are still trying to act like they weren't in the flooding. Yeah, like yeah. they're trying to act like these were never flooded. Exactly. And it's very easy for us to. Tell. I made people stick their hands into the bags gently oh, yeah. and just say, "Is if it's remotely moist, if you remotely detect mold." We're not taking no, it. Absolutely. And people, they get all, you know, they, they get all offended and they're like, you know, and they'll like go on social media and say, um, well, you know, my stuff's, you know, they're too good for my donation. They must not need them that bad. They advertise for them all the time and they're not taking mine. And, you know, so. And you probably find the same as I do as far as, don- as far as things that come, I was about to say donations, but yeah. we are not a nonprofit, um, right. but things that come through the door. Baton Rouge is a really good market for that. It really is. New is Orleans, it? Yeah. And I'll tell you, New okay, Orleans has a, has New Orleans has a personality. Do you know what I mean? Indeed. Like New Orleans has, it's it's that cool city. It's already got right. its own descriptive sort of adjectives that people use when they describe New Orleans. Yeah. Lafayette is the exact same. It also has a definition. It also has a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be your more traditional sort of place. It's going to be your more folksy, your more yeah. craftsy, your more kind of Baton Rouge. God love it, but yeah. it's, it's, it's personality doesn't shine through as much. So right. what you find, and, and I don't mean that negatively, sure. because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Baton Rouge is, is probably the friendlier of the three cities. Yeah. But what I do mean is Baton Rouge follows trends far more than the other two do. They're already identified as right. what, mm-hmm. what it is they want to be. Right. Baton Rouge is not so identified. Yeah. So because they follow trends... People do get rid of their things a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And That's if they true. feel that they're, and the one thing that Baton Rouge does so well as well is they're very giving. They're a very giving community. They're a very helpful community. Mm-hmm. So when you combine, there's a new trend. I need something new. What do I do with my old stuff? You must see amazing results with that we, and, and in decent enough condition. We, we do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we just well, developed that kind of a reputation and we're always trying to do a better job of telling people what this goes toward and mm-hmm. the public's perception is that you know here's the purple cow um, as the, as the big thing and then the Christian Outreach Center is this little tiny thing that we support on the side when in fact the whole thing is Christian Outreach um, and uh, we've we've been able to just emphasize how we, all of this stays local um, it's a to, it's totally this is all about Baton Rouge and so we and, and do people know. know that the purple cow is really you know the revenue arm of the outreach center downtown i don't i don't know that they do we try to do a better and better job but we still kind of fall down on that and we're looking at what we are when i first started uh we had the one store and the christian outreach center was kind of this little pile of glowing embers and um and so we over time now have when i first started our total revenues were about seven hundred thousand dollars and so in six years we've grown to to where we are now and uh, we started the second store in 2014. Uh, this is actually the 15th anniversary of the first one, but um, um, all of our energies were, we've got to promote the Purple Cow, and then we would just kind of you know, put posts in on Facebook about here's what this goes toward, but now we're at a position where um, we're at the end of chapter one of my tenure with what we've been able to do at the Outreach Center, so we're starting to market ourselves to raise awareness and draw the connection close more closer more closely um and um so we're trying to uh tell people about uh this kind of a hidden gem that no i I think it's (laughs) fascinating i mean i was gonna say are are you are you a reverend or are you a businessman because you really 
seem to have this whole <laughs> that's an retail thing figured out. That's an interesting story because <laughs> you know? um, I'm both, um, and I, it's not any kind of a path I would have picked for myself. Yeah. I, uh, when I first started out after college, I was a TV weatherman for about five years. and then, Get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I did it in Alexandria, and then I did it in Jackson, Mississippi for about three years. And so my, my uh, major was broadcast journalism. And then I went into the ministry. I started churches, one in Maryland, um, one attempted startup in the Detroit area. And uh, through a series of circumstances, namely the recession happening, um, we ended up having to close the church and I, in effect, became homeless um, in 2009. Not in the sense of sleeping on the streets, but, you know, losing my house and everything and living with relatives. And so... All of that kind of got burned into me, and then um, after my father died, I, did, I kind of took a break from ministry, and during that time, I tried a little bit of real estate, and so that gave me some business experience. So all these things came together when this offer came to do the Christian Outreach Center, and I was like, one more time, what is this again? It's a thrift <laughs> store that does home, what? It's two, how do these two things work? And so um, I'm just, it's like, you know, I was just made for it. And you were made for it, and you're very good at it. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It's It's been exciting, and it's been a better story for myself than I ever would have picked for my own my own goals and ambitions. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking with Charlotte Smith from Pop Shop Records and Brian Sleeth from The Purple Cow. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Brian Sleeth of The Purple Cow and Charlotte Smith of Pop Shop Records. Charlotte, judging from your accent, you're not from anywhere around not here. Originally. How did you get um, in? How did you get to Baton story. Rouge and, and into the record business? Very, very lengthy story. Um, originally from England, originally from Suffolk in England, and then um, my mum remarried an American Air Force guy, so we ended up in... Japan, in Okinawa, in Florida, um, across the country, sort of other places around the world very briefly, but um, he was originally from Eunice, Louisiana. Okay. So when he left the Air Force, um, we actually ended up in Eunice. Wow. And I was there for fourth and fifth grade, and then they, my parents divorced, and we like to joke in our family that my London mum just could not stand <laughs> Eunice. <laughs> so, so. I it's not a joke. If it might, I, had I don't dead. think it is, actually. But... Um, and my mum, because she had younger siblings and my mum had been born during, you know, World War II, and um, she was forced to leave school at 16 and help look after her younger siblings. And my mum, very proud to say, um, while she was married to my dad, my my mum went back to college and was um, at LSUE. So when they divorced, all my mum really knew was, where do we go? Um, I'm already at LSUE. There's this college in Baton Rouge. Let's just go there. Okay. So we drove in the night and ended up in a one-bedroom apartment in Tigerland, where we lived for a couple of years until wow. my mum got into married student housing. She graduated from LSU, became a school teacher. Um, I went to Kenilworth and Lehigh. Um, graduated from Lee, went to LSU, um, got my undergraduate there. And then um, my mum went on and you know, continued her education, got her master's, and ended up, um, before she retired, she was the head of the English as a Foreign Language Department at LSU. Fantastic. Yeah, so this has always been home, and I think it's because it's my formative years. Yeah. Yeah. So when I graduated from LSU, I moved back to England, and I was there for about 15, 16 years, and um, kept coming home at Christmas, and really felt pulled 
and compelled to come back. And mm. my mom was getting older and it was time. And, you know, I was like, I was getting older. And I was like, well, what <laughs> if I have a family and the grandmother isn't here and mm-hmm. whatever. So um, I ended up in 2008 coming back for good. And it was, it was time. But you weren't in the record business then. Records have always been a passion of mine. I owned way too many and um, <laughs> listened to way too much music. I'm also sung in many bands around the area. So music's always been a big part of my life. So I was friends with the owner and she mentioned that it was coming up for sale and liked the idea of a fellow female um, going into it. And so it was exciting. And I was like, I, I would love to own a record store. So I did that and was fortunate enough through that to be able to open a third company, Pop Shop Publicity, where I work with musicians and I do music publicity for them and music PR. So you're bringing in revenue from a couple of different sources. I do. Brian, given this, the scope of your operations, does it cost very much to operate these two thrift shops? And oh my goodness. how many employees do you have? We have a total between the Outreach Center and the two stores, we have 28 employees. Um, and the majority of them are part-time. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's very expensive and costly to run a store. And are they like trained sales associates that might get a job at the mall or something, or do you like take people from the Christian Outreach Center and help well, put them in the store? That's very interesting. Um, the people that we work with through the Christian Outreach Center are pretty much at square one, and so they're not quite ready for uh, prime time, so to speak. <laughs> um, so one of our plans, because we're trying to, again, compete with, uh, you know, or be at the same level of a Marshalls or a um, TJ Maxx mm-hmm. or a Ross dress, you know, so um, they ha- they have to have work, some work experience, and, um, and it's a serious going concern business-wise. It's... Um, you know, occasionally when we've had a position open, you know, someone will come along and say, oh, I got a buddy who does this. And I'm like, uh, well, does your buddy have any experience in retail? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not playing at this. And so um, we, and but, you know, our recent hire at the Perkins store, we just hired the fabulous new um, manager at, who's following a previous fabulous manager. And uh, we, we held out for that person because, you know, people, for we, we want a positive work atmosphere. I want... Um, you know, happy people, a great work environment, because that translates into what the customers experience. And just with retail being so cutthroat, um, you know, you would have just so many people who have been hardened and cynical and well how do you motivate your employees well I'll write them up if they need to be written up I'm yeah. like no we're not doing that here <laughs> so we well, held out for this great person that we have now <laughs> and retail is such a hard thing right now I mean it obviously is. with internet competition mm-hmm. we talk about that all the time but I guess it's a little different for the secondhand market or for the thrift market I th- because I think it is how many yard sales does Baton Rouge have oh, yeah. every single weekend and I've got friends that are like you know, it's in their calendars. They're like planning. They're yeah. like up at five o'clock because they really? need to be the first ones there. And now we're seeing these really incredible things like um, Capitol Heights will do a community exactly, garage sale. Yeah. Ogden Park will Garden do a community district, yeah. garage sale. The Garden District. <laughs> so it's become kitschy and it's become fun. And it's almost like, I mean, let's. I mean, let's let's be honest. How many times do we go to someone's house and we want to keep up with the Joneses and we look at something and we're like. <laughs> I love that lamp (laughs) that they have and then and you want to ask them where they got it but then you do and they're like oh it's $350 at wherever and you're like oh god I'm never going to be able to get that lamp (laughs) but you can in Baton Rouge because there is the market for it um and now you've got things like next door do you know what I mean this Baton Rouge I, I don't know I think it's because Baton Rouge is very giving I just do I think it's a friendly very giving place so when I said earlier no identity maybe that is their identity 
that's very nice. Well, to go back to what you were asking me before, uh, we do intend to see our big thing with the Christian Outreach Center is employment. And okay. so um, out of all the things you can do to help the homeless, um, and we're very involved with the homeless, whether they're homeless in a general way, um, which could include um, you know, being abused by their significant other and they went on the run with the clothes on their backs to um, just being, you know, anxiety, depression, uh, to people who are coming out of prison. We're very much involved in the local prison reentry community and then um, people are overcoming addiction. We, So, um, you know, we want to, um, with our new plan, dig deeper. And what we've been offering so far with our eight-week job training class is it's, it's a great help for those who are, of a low risk to going back to their lifestyle. They just need some encouragement, being pointed in the right direction. But there are a lot of people who are at more of a medium to high risk of falling back into their former lifestyle or going back into prison. So we're wanting to um, be much more hands-on with those folks. And our ambition is that in addition to what we currently do, that we would have um, people who are with us for about six to nine months and they would go through job training, they would go through um, transitional employment, and that's where we see them plugging into the Purple Cow because um, one of my goals is to have donations, you know, literally coming out of our ears to where we can have a building, like a small warehouse building where- They could uh, be Exactly, and we can knock the rough edges off and help them be ready for regular employment. Because if if someone's been incarcerated for decades, they they lack all kinds of skills. The soft skills. And I think we forget, hats off to you. I mean, honestly, I think it's wonderful what you guys do. And like I said to you before the interview, I I go there for that very reason. I I like what it is you do. I volunteer when I can with an organization called Fight, Famine is the Enemy, and they feed people underneath the Trevor Sims Bridge on Saturdays. And um, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact with what you're saying about the penal system and, Mm -hmm. and other things is, I think some of us forget how easy it is to to become homeless or Mm -hmm. how easy it is for one single mistake to label you for the rest of your life. Right. And I think we forget that homeless doesn't mean you're not human. Mm -hmm. And and to humanize them Mm -hmm. and to to care enough about them is incredibly important, especially in a society now where it is so technology-based and it is so quick and we are short with each other and, Mm -hmm. you know, generally. So it's just so nice that you're doing what you're doing. And I, you know, I, for one, coming from a city with a huge homeless population and seeing it here... And people, if you don't go downtown, you don't see it. Yeah. So yeah. people are convinced we don't have one, but we do have a homeless problem. And it's wonderful that you're doing something about it. Thank you. And we, we do try to take a very relational approach. Mm-hmm. We love them. We know them. We pray with them. We cry with them. We laugh with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we see ourselves as their family, their support system. And that's um, that's a far cry from how, uh, you know, some people approach the whole homelessness thing because they're they've never experienced it it's very standoffish for most mm-hmm. people and there's really nothing to be scared about there's a lot to be said <laughs> for having a conversation as an equal yeah. with someone yeah. that's how spirit, we treat them you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well charlotte smith and brian sleeth it's been such a treat to have y'all on this show together oh, we have you. so much so much to talk about <laughs> we, unfortunately we don't have much time but y'all are both doing great things for thank the you. community and thank you both have great stories to share so thanks for being here today on out to lunch oh, to tell us about it 
My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Charlotte Smith, owner of Pop Shop Records, and Brian Sleeth of The Purple Cow. You can find out more about Pop Shop Records and The Purple Cow by going to the links on our website, it's batonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Ann Edelman, and Dave Winwood. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at alliancesafetycouncil.org and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. 